0: Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Uh, My name is Pastor Jeremy Bass. Good to be with y'all here today. We're in the second week of our August series looking at a book based on a book written by uh, John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And we thought it was a great series to start off right as school and all of our lives get very busy. And we talked last week about how do we eliminate hurry in our lives? How do we take these... Practices that have been in the church for centuries and millennia and date back to the time of Jesus and reincorporate these practices into our lives as we get back into our busy schedules to not just passively accept the hurry lifestyle of our world, but how do we mimic the practices of Jesus and the way of Jesus? And today the practice that we're looking at is the practice of silence and solitude which I'm sure, as many of you are thinking, this is the perfect sermon for Jeremy to give, the quietest of all the pastors. Uh, This also coincidentally happens to be my favorite spiritual practice in the book. Um, If you have your Bibles and you want to open them up, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. Um, Blaise Pascal, you may know him as the scientist, but he was also a philosopher, and he said this, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. I don't know, maybe some people, when you just see that idea of sitting quietly in a room alone, there's something inside you that's like, ugh, not a fan of that, don't want that. But that's exactly what we're talking about today, how to sit quietly in a room alone with God. So let's look at how Jesus models this practice of silence and solitude. Mark 6, starting in verse 30, Hear the word of the Lord. the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Verse 35, by this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. And then we're skipping down to verse 35. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. And later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So that middle section that we skipped over is... Excuse me. It's the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 in the Gospel of Mark. It's, the, I would argue, one of Jesus' most impressive miracles. So I would probably, if I had to rank Jesus' miracles as most impressive, I would put raising people from the dead, number one. And then probably number two would be feeding 5,000 people from just handfuls of bread and fish one of the mightiest, it's one of the miracles that's recorded in all the Gospels. This is the feeding of the 5,000. <clears> and I don't know if you caught this, but right before and after this miracle, Jesus seeks to go and be alone with his disciples and with the Lord. It says in verse 32 many people kept coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. And so Jesus said to his disciples, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And then 32, then they went to a solitary place. But the crowds followed Jesus. That Jesus sought time to be alone with his disciples. He sought time for solitude, sought time for silence. And yet he was interrupted. Has that ever happened to you? Where you sought silence and solitude, or maybe you found a perfect time that you were alone with yourself, like finally, It's just me and my time, me. And then you get a phone call, maybe a text or a work email or a kid that was supposed to be napping suddenly comes screaming through the door and all that silence and solitude you thought you were going to have, all that quiet me time that you thought was you were waiting for, anticipating is suddenly gone. If that's ever happened to you, know that you have a friend in Jesus who had that happen to him as well. So Jesus is seeking solitude, seeking to go to a quiet place, a solitary place, and then the crowds come and Jesus says, well, the crowds are here, I, I, I might as well bless them. And so he does, but what, notice what, what's different about Jesus versus probably someone like us. I know for me, if I had like my quiet time plan or my solitary time plan and it gets interrupted, I'm like, well, that's that. Not going not gonna to be able to get that back. That's not going to be available for me for the day. But Jesus, after this miracle, after the miracle happens, he goes and seeks silence because he didn't get it before the miracle. It says in verse 45, <clears throat> Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. It's this image in the Greek of Jesus saying, get on out of here, like compelled them, forced them, like kicked them out into the boat and said, y'all are getting away from me. That's all I care about. Just go over there. I'll find you. You figure it out. I need time for me. I need time to be alone. I need time for silence and solitude. And then what Jesus does, it says in the scripture, he goes up on the mountainside. He goes away from everyone to the top of a mountain to be alone, to seek silence and solitude. They were in the boat, it ends in verse 47, and Jesus is alone on the land. And Jesus recognized that time spent with silence and solitude with God was more important than sleep itself. And one thing as I was kind of looking at this passage and looking at this habit of Jesus of silence and solitude is how different it is from our way of doing things. That we tend to run from silence and solitude, but Jesus runs toward it. We run from silence and solitude, but Jesus runs toward it. We've created in our lives so much hurry and distraction in our lives that we shun and get rid of all these times to be quiet, all these times to be alone, all these times to be silent and have solitude with the Lord. In the book, uh, John Mark quotes a a sermon or a study that says that 77% of young adults when they're bored pull out their phones. And this book was written, I think, like six years ago. And I would say that within the six years, you could up that statistic even more. And what we've done is we've eliminated these empty spaces in our lives. We get rid of it, or maybe it's being taken away from us. Uh, You may know this because y'all are in more of the corporate world. Uh, But there are uh, workplaces that will track if your mouse is moving on your computer or not to see if you're actually sitting at your workstation or sometimes maybe having facial recognition technology to see if you're actually in front of your computer screen because heaven forbid you have a a moment to pause in your workday because heaven forbid you you act like a human and pause for silence and solitude that you must be this never-ending work robot. And your company has to monitor that to make sure not a single second is wasted. And then we do the same thing with our own lives. And we fill up our calendar with different activities for ourselves or different activities for our kids so that any empty space is not space for family or space for silence and solitude or space for friends. But it's an opportunity for something to get put in that empty space. And then we go home from our different activities and we fill up that quiet time at home with noise. We immediately go and turn on the TV. We immediately go or turn on our iPads or fill our lives with digital noise with our cell phones. And so it's almost like from sun up when our alarms on our phone wake us up till sundown where we fall asleep with the phone in our hands. We filled our lives With noise, distraction, and no space for silence and solitude. This hurry, this digital distraction, it robs us from being present to the reality around us. And it robs us from being present with God. Just take some time and and think. When was the last time you were truly silent? Where there was no noise? I mean, even in our worship space, we... We hear quiet and we get anxious. When's he going to talk again? When's something going to happen? When was the last time you were truly silent with no music, no podcast, and truly just sat still in the presence of the Lord? Friends, we need to unlearn the habit of our society that we've just so passively taken on as our own habit and deemed it as healthy. And take up the habit of Jesus of seeking silence and solitude in the presence of God. Just look at the pattern of Jesus' life versus ours, that Jesus sought out silence and silence and solitude because he needed it. that this is not just a one-off instance here in the Gospel of Mark, but this is a repeated pattern that Jesus has in his life and in his earthly ministry, Jesus repeatedly went off by himself. Here's just a few instances in the Gospel. <clears throat> Mark 145 says this. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in lonely places. And yet people still came to him from everywhere. Luke 4.42 says this. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Where the people were looking for him, and then they came to him where he was, and they tried to keep him from leaving. And then lastly, as an example, Luke five, fifteen through sixteen. And yet news about Jesus spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. What's interesting with all these passages is as Jesus became more and more popular, as he became more and more busy, as the threat for more and more hurry seemed to push up against his life, he sought after silence and solitude before the Lord all the more. Because Jesus needed it. What makes us think we don't need it either? And I think Jesus does this because Jesus knew the Scriptures. Jesus knew that the Scriptures speak about seeking the face of God all the time. It's this secret that's hidden throughout the Old Testament and hidden throughout the Psalms. In fact, I would say it's not that hidden, but it's laying out in plain sight if you're looking for it. Here are a couple of Psalms just to illustrate this. Psalm 91, 1-2. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. This image in Psalm 91 of running and dwelling to the secret place of God, where you're hiding under the shadow of the Almighty. This image of seeking after, being with God, seeking silence and being alone with the Lord hiding under Yahweh's shadow. Psalm 42, 1 through 2, you may have known this one if you grew up in church singing traditional hymns. You may know the hymn behind it. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When can I go and meet with my God? I don't know, as as I read this psalm or as I did growing up, uh, I think we often read this with this sort of, European picturesque moment of a deer. There's this lush oasis, greenery everywhere, trees everywhere, and you see this little deer just like, oh, so gently just walks up to this little still calm brook and he takes like a little few laps of water and then it kind of prances away. I don't know if you pictured that growing up, but that's exactly what I pictured growing up. Um, but the psalm was not written in France. The psalm was written in Israel. If you've ever been to Israel, you know that water is not really the most abundant thing over there. And so it's this image of a deer that's probably been living in the desert, not having many sources of streams of water. And it hasn't had water for a while. It's hot. It's panting. It's longing for water. It's like a dog that's been outside in the Texas heat that comes in and immediately goes straight to the water dish. It's looking for an oasis in the desert. And the psalmist says that is the image of what our soul should look like in seeking the presence of God. Like a deer who's so thirsty that it comes up to a stream of water and it pants after the water. Hear the longing of the heart of the psalmist. Hear the desperation in the heart of the psalmist. My soul thirsts for you, God. The living God, when can I go and meet with my God? And then finally, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment. But first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. This call to be still in the presence of the Almighty, the Holy One of Israel, the Great I Am, the Alpha and the Omega, the Great Redeemer, the Lamb, Holy One, to be still in his presence and know that he is God and we are not. And to do that, it requires us to spend time with him in solitude and to be silent before the throne of the Lord. Because scripture tells us that God whispers to us, Friends, what if we've been missing hearing the voice of God because we filled our lives with so much noise, distraction, and hurry that the Lord is speaking to us, we're just drowning it out. What would it look like if we were a people who were still in the presence of the Lord? Ronald Rallheiser says this, We are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Because when our lives get busy, when we have so much hurry that it's the spiritual things that we tend to cut out first, when really I would argue that those are the things that our soul needs the most when we get busy. That's what Jesus valued most, that when his life got busy, when things came and crowded his life, Jesus sought after the presence of the Lord all the more. In the middle of all this uh, discernment process, friends, I've had a, I have a confession for you um, that this process is the first thing I think about when I wake up and the last thing I think about before I go to bed. And we've been praying, or I've been praying throughout this whole process, um, but there are times when the worry of it seems to overwhelm me and I slip back into my old habits of filling my life with hurry and distraction instead of dealing with the worry that I'm feeling. And so as oftentimes when I'm writing a sermon, the Lord will be like, hey, Jeremy, uh, this is the area of your life that I want you to deal with as well, not just you to preach on. And so he was like, Jeremy, you uh, have been filling your life too much with worry and distraction and hurry, and I want you to not do that when it comes to this. So this past Friday, Erica was... um, out of town and i had this morning to myself and so i said all right today i'm going to choose to not fill my life with noise to not fill my life with hurry and to spend time in silence and solitude with the lord i spent that morning meditating on the psalm that i was reading that morning and i felt the lord speak to me and he said in your worry and fear don't run away from me but constantly trust me by handing this church over to me and know that I have them. And it's in those moments of silence before the Lord when you spend time with him, when you're in his presence, when you enter into heaven's courts, into heaven's throne, that that is the real meat of transformation in the Christian life. To not distract yourself with the worry, to not just. fill up your life with noise when things come up, but to go straight to the throne room of God and say, here I am, Lord. Speak to me, for your servant is listening. You know, uh, as tomorrow, we start our 40 days of prayer before the church vote. In both exits, there'll be paper copies if you like paper copies and you want one. We'll also have them on our website. Just go to our website, kingwoodumc.org and then click 40 days of prayer. Y'all are smart people. It's pretty easy to figure out. Um, And then there'll be our prayer guide for the week. And each prayer, each day we have a a written out prayer and a scripture reading. And our prayer team also came up with a question at the end of each day. And I think the purpose of that question is to cultivate this practice of silence and solitude before the Lord. To pray before the Lord. Friends, as we consider the future of our denomination affiliation, if we don't bathe it in prayer, if, friends, if you're not bathing your vote in prayer, I don't think we should be people who are voting. Because that's how important it is that we pray to God before doing this. And So I would encourage you throughout this next 40 days to see this as an opportunity to practice silence and solitude before the Lord about such an important decision such as this. And so then how can we practically do silence and solitude? What does it look like for in our scheduled lives, in our hurried pace of life? How can we introduce silence and solitude into our lives? First is silence. There's two different types of silence. There's external silence and internal silence. St. Augustine said that silence is entering joy. Wasn't that joyful, friends? (laughs) Silence is entering joy. There's external silence, and that's kind of pretty self-explanatory. It's basically eliminating the noise that our ear hears. So don't have the TV on in the background. Don't always be listening to music or podcasts, and our phones, I would say, are a form of external noise that we need to silence. Uh, one of the most transformative things that I did in my devotional time was I used to read the Bible on my phone on my app, uh, but you know, phones have this really bad tendency to have like notifications pop up all the time, and so I'd be reading my Bible and suddenly like, oh, a text came in. Well, I have to do that first, and then I'll go back to my Bible reading. So now, what I do is I take my phone and I put it away from me, and I do old school, hard copy Bible, and it's been the most transformative practice in my life because that phone is, a, is an example of distraction and hurry that I can so easily introduce into my silence and solitude in the morning, and it's find time to eliminate external noise from your life. It doesn't have to, you don't have to become a monk. But just find those moments in your life when you can uh, just be silent before the Lord. I do this by having a devotional time every morning. That's when I find it's easiest. It may be easiest for you in the evening when all your kids are in bed. Or maybe you're just more of a night owl and you like to do it in the evening as well. Or it could maybe be in your lunch hour. Or you have a long commute into downtown Houston, and so that might be the best time for you to be silent in the presence of the Lord. Whatever works best for you. And to look for those little moments. To look for those little moments. Could be during your lunch break, could be in the car waiting to pick your kids up. Don't immediately turn on the TV in the evening. That all these little instances that we fill with noise, fill with distraction to instead maybe take a few of those and fill them with the presence and silence of the Lord. And then the second is internal silence. And this is often the most difficult one or the more difficult one because the external silence in our life is ten, tends to drown out That internal silence that we want to ignore. It's those worries, those fears, those things that we fantasize about. Those running thoughts, those running things that we can't seem to get out of our mind. That we externally eliminate the silence so that we can still the storm in our soul. The way that I do that is I just turn it over to the Lord. Just any time it comes up in my prayer, just be like, all right, here's this, here's this. And just give it all over to Him. All those things that chip away at our joy, love, and peace. And just give it to the Lord. What I found was the best thing for me. I used to have this list that I would pray every single day. And I found that the list just became more and more of a chore. And then one day the Lord told me, He said, Jeremy, you're a contemplative at heart. So pray like a contemplative. Uh, Which for me, the way that that looks is instead of immediately praying my list to God, I sit before the presence of the Lord each morning and say, all right, Lord, what do you want me to pray about? And then he usually tells me what he wants me to pray about. But what I've done is I've incorporated more time of silence in my prayer. You don't have to fill your prayer time talking to God. You can just be still in the presence of the Lord, and that is transformative in and of itself. Because when we're silent before God, it allows him to speak to us more, To just say the prayer, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, and then set a five-minute timer to not say anything. That's how I started listening to the voice of the Lord and just dwelling with him, to be with him, because to the Lord, quality time is quantity time. Quality time is quantity. The Lord doesn't want us to have this perfect 30 minutes in the morning. I think we often idealize what a per... Like if I don't have my perfect devotional. Oh, I I fantasized too much. Oh, I dozed off as I was reading scripture. Oh, uh, I had this prayer and I couldn't, couldn't think or couldn't focus. And we have maybe this fear that if I don't have this perfect devotional time in the morning, then I've ruined the rest of the day. I've ruined my spiritual time for the morning and the rest of it is ruined. And I think what God wants for us is to not focus so much on having a perfect 30 minutes, but to look at that 30 minutes as the setup for a continual conversation with Him, continual time with Him. Pray unceasingly, as Paul says, to incorporate the Lord into the mundaneness of your day, to bring God in the silence and the solitude into your daily life, to spend more time with Him, to invite God into the moments of your life. Because it doesn't have to be an earth-shattering devotional every morning, friends. And that's okay. Some of you may need to hear that. Because I know I sure need to hear that. It doesn't have to be an earth-shattering devotional every day. And then solitude, the other practice. Solitude is not isolation. Solitude is spending time with God. Solitude is spending time with God. Inviting the presence of God into your life. Henry Nouwen, the Catholic theologian, said this. Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and listen to him. It is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life without solitude. That's a hard word from him, but I found it to be a true word. Because what we spend our time on reveals our heart's true priorities. What we see when we look at Jesus, as we look at eliminating hurry and reintroducing these new practices into our life, we need to be a people who are intentional. That these practices, they don't come automatically, that we have to cultivate them, we have to seek after them, we have to... uh, change the pattern and habits of our life if we want to mimic the lifestyle and the pattern of Jesus. So friends, what I would challenge you this week to be silent and in solitude before the Lord is to invite the presence of God into your prayer. Imagine yourself before the throne of God and invite him into your space. Say, Lord, teach me your voice to find that secret place with God to be still be still in the presence of the Almighty and ask the Lord to come and meet with you in that area of your deepest need that you need Him to heal, that you need Him to restore hope, that you need for Him to restore joy and peace, and then just dwell in His presence. To Take this time and not distract, not hurry, and turn to the Lord who is good and merciful, the Lord, as Ryan quoted from the psalmist lifts us up from the muck and the mire, sets our feet on solid ground, puts a new song in our mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. As we remember uh, the night in which Jesus was betrayed, we remember that he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. And then when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, Father, and said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until we feast in victory at your heavenly banquet. As we say the prayer that your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.